We've been sharing uh, on spiritual gift discovery uh, and the importance of us understanding that so that God can use us uh, and utilize and flow those gifts through us. That won't happen if we are unawares and unlearned about spiritual gifts. So we're going through the definitions and we pray that this will bring some enlightenment as to what those gifts are so that God can even utilize you to help affirm someone in their gifting. Amen. One of the things that we discovered about spiritual gifts is that, that tr- they, they will be affirmed by the body of Christ, by the church. You'll be able to share with somebody when what they're doing is a blessing to you. And so that affirms uh, that gift. And so if you have your Bibles today, tonight I want you to flip with me back to Luke, the fifth chapter. We left off with miracles, the spiritual gifts of miracles. Now, these are listed, uh, these spiritual gifts are listed in First Corinthians 12, and then we look in Ephesians and, uh, and over in Romans where a lot of these are outlined. But don't miss this, okay? Please do not miss this point. Uh, don't get the order messed up. The order gets messed up when we go looking for the gift rather than looking for the gift giver. Are y'all listening to me? The order is messed up when we start looking for the gift rather than looking for the gift giver. And we know from our individual study that the Holy Spirit is the one that imparts and gives the gifts, right? The Holy Spirit is the one who imparts and gives the gifts uh, for us uh, to operate in. And if he gave them for us to operate in and he gave them uh, to us individually, don't you think he wants us to know about them? He absolutely does. But beyond that, he wants to have a close personal relationship with us. And so when we press in toward God, then we begin to understand more about what God has for us and what he wants to do through us. Okay, so back to Luke, the fifth chapter. This is this is one of my favorite passages of scripture, because in this passage, it shows how Jesus a man utilizes uh, it, the, this miracle situation uh, because these guys here allowed him to use what they had. I've discovered this in my life, guys, and you'll discover this too. When you allow God to use what you have, what he's given you, it's his anyhow, right? But the recognition of that God blessed me with this and however God wants to use what I have, I'm going to be available and I'm going to allow him to use whatever he's graced me to have in my possession. And we see this miraculous occurrence that takes place in this, the gospel according to St. Luke chapter number five. Okay. Can we start reading there at verse number one? Um, The text says one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, familiar passage, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Great crowds crowds pressed on him to listen to the word of God, right? He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. The text says, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, his owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Y'all, it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. We understand right now what Jesus is doing is telling him to do something that is contrary to what he normally does in his fishing business, right? He allowed Jesus to use his boat to preach the word. He allowed Jesus to use his asset to further the gospel message. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for each one of us 
to be uh, uh, servants of his who we can use whatever he blesses us with and use that to help advance kingdom principles, right? All right, so when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nest to catch some fish. Y'all that studied this know that it was not customary for them to fish in the deep part and in the daytime. But Jesus, amen, changed his business model. And I'm here to tell you, when you allow, if Jesus tells you to do something different, do it. If Jesus, amen, gives you a revelatory word, amen, about what you're doing from a business perspective, then if I'm you, I'm going to catch hold to that. All right. Because he, he let Simon Peter and them let him use what they had. So he says, Master, we worked all hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. All right. Verse six says what? At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. Verse seven says what? Uh, a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish. And on the verge of sinking. Now again, he says they're partners in the other boat, which means that they had business partners. This was not just somebody going out on the bar. Y'all know what the bar is? Anybody that, that's old school fishermen know what? It's, it's, it's the country term for bayou, but they say bar. This ain't somebody on the bar with a cane pole trying to catch. These are commercial fishermen. Tiffany, you ain't never heard that? Commercial fishermen, all right, who had a fishing business. And they would cast nets to bring in fish. So they, Jesus, they allowed Jesus to use their ship to preach. And now Jesus, amen, we see the, the gift of miracles, amen, coming into play to affirm even the word that came forth. He shout for, a, a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Verse 8 says what? Uh, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. This this thing so amazed and so impressed Peter, he he just felt unworthy to be in the presence of Jesus. This manifestation of God's power, because what, what really impressed Peter is he knew that they don't normally catch fish this way. And here's the thing, guys, we all need to be open to. We all need to be open to God doing stuff different than what we've always done. Most of us are here do stuff the same way every day of the week. Come on. We go to work the same way. We eat the same food. Some of y'all would, you know, if somebody brought something, some, uh, how many of y'all eat Chinese food? Anybody? All right. Uh, you know, back in the day, you know, a lot of us didn't eat Chinese food. Come on. When I say a lot of us, you know what I'm talking about? We didn't eat Chinese food. Uh, how many of y'all would would, would go, how many of y'all ever eaten Indian food? I mean, I'm not, you know, okay. Uh, uh, you know, but, but a lot of us won't try different stuff, would you? A lot of us are greens and cornbread folks. Huh? Greens and cornbread, sweet potato and chicken, fried or baked. And sometimes we don't know what we're missing because we're not open to trying things differently. Now, where am I going with that? A lot of us are missing out on God's miracle working power because we're not, we're not, our minds have not been trained to understand that things that took place in the Bible can still take place today. We, we have this mindset, well, that was back then. That was, that was when God was working miracles and he's no longer working miracles. I'm here to tell you today that he's still in the miracle working business. But you got to be open and ready to receive miracles before they can be utilized in your life. Okay. 
So let's get back. Look, look, look again back at, on page 18 of your, of your handout. Uh, so the literal meaning is to, of miracle is to do powerful deeds. Everybody say powerful deeds. The gift of miracles is the divine enablement to authenticate the ministry and message of God through supernatural interventions which glorify him. Right. We said that he glorifies him. He glorifies him, not us. When miracles take place, we want God to get the glory out of it. So what are the distinctives of, of, of the gift of miracles? They speak God's truth and have it authenticated by an accompanying miracle. Express confidence in God's faithfulness and ability to manifest his presence. Bring the ministry and message of Jesus Christ with power and claim God to be the source of the miracle and glorify him. It represents Christ and through the miracle, point people to a relationship with Christ. When miracles take place, the goal and purpose is to point people to Christ and not to us. We may be a vessel that God utilizes to do, to do miraculous things through, to do a powerful deed through, but never, 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 never get to the point to where you start pointing to yourself and thinking that because God used you, you're all that. Amen. Everybody say point people to Jesus. So the traits of, of this gifting is that people are bold, venturous, authoritative, God-fearing, convincing, prayerful, and responsive. And they need to remember that the miracles are not necessarily caused by faith. They should avoid viewing the gift as a, as a personal responsibility. Remembering that God determines the location and timing of his deeds. You can't conjure up a miracle. We told you that last week, okay? You need to guard against the temptation to call on the Lord's presence and power for selfish purposes. Okay? So it happens as the Holy Spirit wills. Now remember we talked about Holy Spirit gifts. They operate as the Spirit wills. Go to verse page number 19. We're going to look at prophecy right quick. So we saw miracles, all right? Uh, miracles are still a part of God's gifting. And so we need to be open to, to miracles happening in our lives. There should be a sense of expectation when you are living your life. When you wake up in the morning, you ought, you ought to expect God to work a miracle in your life. You ought to be open to it, amen? And don't, you know, what I've discovered is, is that when, when my mind is, is set toward the, the, the fact that God can do the impossible and, I, and when I expect the impossible, the impossible begins to transpire in my life. But if I don't ever expect God to do any more than what I can do, then, then now I'm putting, I'm putting him in a box and, and God can't really work through me because my mindset is not even re- available and ready to receive a miracle working power of God. All right. So let's look at prophecy right quick. Okay. A prophecy, it means literally to speak before. The gift of prophecy is the divine enablement to reveal truth and proclaim it in a timely and relevant manner for understanding, for correction, for repentance, or for edification. There may be, there may be immediate or future implications. So prophecy is not always talking about what's going to happen five years from now. Many times when you look at in the Old Testament, prophecy uh, came forth from the prophet and that prophet was pronouncing what God was thus at the Lord. And many times he was proclaiming and pronouncing judgment amen, upon God's people because of their disobedience. He may have been dealing with a current situation. And there are other times when the prophetic word came forth, it was talking about the things that were going to transpire in the future. All right. So prophecy, prophecy is critically important. What are the distinctives of people who operate in this gifting? They expose sin or deception in others 
for the purpose of reconciliation. Now watch that. They expose sin or deception in others for the purpose of what? Now some of y'all get on social media and expose sin in other folks for the purpose of just getting their business out there. Hello? But this says right here, prophecy is a gifting and it, it, it exposes sin and deception in others for the purpose of reconciliation. Because anytime, guys, we deal with a believer who's fallen in sin, our purpose should be to reconcile that person. If you have your Bibles, which I pray that you do, let's go to, I think it's the book of Galatians, the sixth chapter, verse number one. Galatians chapter six, verse number one. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Watch what Paul says um, as he writes to uh, the saints at Galatia. So again, when the prophetic comes forth, many times the prophetic word will speak to an issue that you're dealing with. And a lot of times it will expose sin, but the sin or the, uh, the lack of obedience is being exposed so they can drive the person who's in the disobedience to the point of reconciliation. Right? Remember I told you a couple weeks ago, uh, we have a responsibility as a church to judge sinful behavior in the church. Is that what Paul said? Paul said our responsibility is not to judge the world and, and, and what unsaved people are doing, but we, we clearly have a responsibility to judge sinful behavior in the church. If you call yourself a Christian and you live in a lifestyle of sin and you're a part of a church, we got to judge the behavior. Do I need to go back and dig the scripture back up again? Remember what Paul said, right? Paul says, quit worrying about the world and deal with the church. Everybody say deal with the church. All right, so if you're a part of the church, we got to deal with your stuff. If I'm a part of the church, you got to deal with my stuff. Amen? All right, so watch this. So, but look at the mindset. Galatians 6, chapter, verse number 1. Can we read together? Let's read. It says what? Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin. Now, here's the way we have to deal with this thing. If another believer is overcome by some sin. Stop right there. Have you ever been overcome by some sin? Okay, just think about it. Just give yourself five seconds. It, don't, it won't take you that long. If, if you're honest with yourself. If another believer... If another believer, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, stop right there. Everybody can't perform this task. I've told you this before. When you're going to get people and try to reach people who are who are caught up in something they shouldn't be caught up in, you got to have a godly mindset. If you don't have a godly mindset, if you're carnal minded, then you you won't do this the right way. And then you'll end up instead of uh, bringing them to a point of reconciliation, you'll drive them away from the church. Okay, so he says, he says, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should how gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. That should be our mindset. Right. And be careful. Watch this. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. All right. That means that that when I'm going to get you, I can't be falling into the same stuff I'm going to get you about. Don't mean I'm perfect because I'm coming to get you. But it means that 
that, that my, my, my mindset. Now, again, you remember what Jesus also said, get that big old plank out your eye before you deal with the speck in your neighbor's eye. Right. The, the key point is so you can see clearly enough. Amen. Don't mean that all specks are going out your eye, but if you got a big old plank there, you got some 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 un- unconfessed pattern of sin that's being repeated over and over again. You got to deal with that before you're prepared to to look into the life of somebody else and help them get out of their stuff. Clear? Everybody clear? So again, I I I, I got to shoot down some of these urban legends that are going around. Don't judge me. If you're in the church, we got to judge wrong behavior. I said, if we're in the church and you're part of the church and I know you're doing something wrong, I have a responsibility as your brother in Christ to come to you the way Paul told me to do it in the book of Galatians. Y'all clear? Are y'all clear? All right. Because your mindset, let, let, let the word of God determine how you're going to view life, not what they, what they said on Facebook. Okay. Y'all with them? All right. Verse number two, watch this, watch this. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Verse three, for good measure. If you think you are too important to help someone. Can we read it out loud? And while you're reading it, just kind of hunt your neighbor and say, if you think you're too important to help someone, <laughs> you're only fooling yourself. So you ain't that important. All right, I, I, you know, come on. You are not that important, says. So, 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 so we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, right? Okay, but watch, watch what verse four says. Watch this. This is Bible. Verse four. Let's go to verse four, right quick. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Watch this. You, 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 you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Our mindset should never be, well, I'm better than this person. Because nobody is better than anybody else. We're all sinners saved by grace. Amen. Thank God that we, now we've made a transformation. We are saints of God now. Our classification is different. Amen. Yeah, can we fall in sin? Yes, but our classification is different now. I, I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no longer classified as a sinner by, by nature. I'm now a born-again believer. I'm a child of the king. That's who I am. And so because I'm a child of a king, then there's an expectation that I need to live like I'm a king's kid. Amen? All right, so, so don't quit going around comparing yourself Trying to make yourself look good because you think you're better than somebody else. That 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 just won't fly in the church. All right. Uh, not if you're really doing it the way God says do it. All right. Verse number five. Let's go. Come on. Let's read. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Verse six and seven. Come on. Let's read it. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers sharing all good things with them. Verse 7, let's read it right quick. It says what? Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. KDV says you will reap what you sow. If you sow good seed, you reap good fruit. 
if you sow bad seed, I don't care if you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, preaching, speaking on the tongue. If you sow sad, if you sow bad seed, you're going to reap bad fruit, right? So whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Amen. All right. So so when you go get somebody, go the right way. Go with the right attitude. Go with the right mentality. Amen. All right. So let's get back. Get back to uh, on your outline. So prophecy, prophecy. So expose sin or deception in others for the purpose of reconciliation. Not for the person, the purpose of trying to embarrass them. Not for the person to put their name out there, put, put somebody's name out there and blast it all over the place. We have a responsibility to go to them. OK. And talk to them and say, hey, listen. Listen, the way you're living is not indicative of somebody who belongs to God. I'm concerned about you. I I love you and I don't want to see you go down that way. So I'm coming to you because I care about you. I'm not coming to you because I'm trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. And guys, please, please understand this. We got to get out of this baby mentality of getting our feelings hurt because somebody comes to us and and tries to help us deal with what we're caught up in. I mean, we got to be more mature than that as Christians. And Paul said how we should do it there in Galatians, the sixth chapter. So so the distinctive is expose sin or deception in others for the purpose of reconciliation. They speak a timely word from God causing conviction, repentance and edification. What does it say? For what? For it causing conviction, repentance and edification. When a prophetic word comes forth, it should convict. It's not condemning, but it's convicting. It's convicting. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is driving you to repent, to turn away. Because what does repentance mean? It means to what? Amen. The Bible says this godly sorrow leads to what? The repentance means to turn around. Guys, if I'm praying for God to forgive me for something, but I keep jumping back into the same thing that I asked for God to forgive me for, then that means I'm not really, I have not truly repented. True repentance will result in a change of direction. So anytime you find yourself keep doing the same sin, you hadn't truly repented. You just, you, you, you're sorry you got caught. You're feeling sorry because you did whatever. But godly sorrow will lead you to repentance. Okay? That's how you know it's godly sorrow because you change your way. Amen? Is that, is that clear enough? So, but the prophetic speaks, amen, uh, to, to conviction, to repentance, and to edification. Uh, the other distinctive is they see truth that others often fail to see and challenge them to respond. People who have this prophetic gift can see truth that others may not see. And, and, and you sometimes wonder, how do they know that? How, how, I mean, they, they, they're talking about the very thing that I'm dealing with, but I never told them about this. And people who have this prophetic gift operating in them can see stuff that others can't see. Are y'all with me today? All right. So they also warn of God's immediate or future judgment if there is no repentance and they understand God's heart and mind through experiences he takes them through, guys. All right. So that's critically important for us to understand those distinctives of the gift of prophecy. Everybody still following with me today? All right. So when prophecy comes forth, it, it, it is it is utilized for that particular purpose. OK, now, if, if you will, turn with me right quick to first Corinthians, the 14th chapter. I want to just uh I want to drive home that point. 
uh, 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. And we, we're going to talk a little bit more in this chapter just a little bit later. OK, we'll try to get through here. Um, look at verse number one of 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. And while you're going there uh, in your outline, we talk about the fact that people who the traits of people who have the gift of prophecy operating in them, they are discerning, they're compelling, they're uncompromised, they're outspoken, they're authoritative, they're convicting and they're confronting. People who have this gift, you know, will, will, will deal with stuff. They'll confront things. OK. And remember, I told you guys, here's what I want you to understand. Confrontation, when done the right way is a very healthy thing for any relationship. I got two amens there. Let me say it again. Confrontation, when done the right way, is healthy and good for any relationship. That's husband and wife relationship. Because see, the truth be told, some some of our spouses are still where they are right now because we're afraid to confront stuff. Because you want peace. I just want to keep peace. Baby, if, some, if stuff don't get right sometime, there's going to have to be some disruption in peace. Because some stuff ain't going to change until you confront it. In any relationship. That's on the job. That's in church. That's in, 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 in the family. Uh, done the right way. It's critically important. Jesus even told us in Matthew 18, chapter, there's a all between you and your brother, you go to him one-on-one. Tell him to fall between you and him alone. If he hears you, you gain the brother. Then he says, if it don't hear you, you take two or three other spiritual brothers with you. And then if it's still an issue uh, as it relates to a church issue, then you bring it before the church, church council. And that person still insists on having a way with spirit in that area, then you have to, you have to use church discipline and say, hey, listen, if you're going to keep doing that, you can't be a part of this fellowship. And what's the purpose of that? The purpose is that we're not any better than them. The purpose of telling them that is so that they'll be moved, amen, and challenged to change their ways. The ultimate goal of confrontation, the ultimate goal of dealing with sin is so that the person will be reconciled to God. Because you can't, you can't live in sin and be in, re, and be in fellowship with God. Sin breaks fellowship. Although you still are in relationship it breaks fellowship. If I'm, not, if I'm not in fellowship, that means that I don't have that connection I need, okay? Watch this, 1 Corinthians 14 chapter. Talking about prophecy. It says, let your love, let your love be your high, let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Watch this. Verse number two. For if you have the ability to, to speak in tongues, you will be t- talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the spirit, which is good, but it will all be mysterious. Now, we talked about this the other week when we talked about interpretation of tongues, right? Yeah, remember that. But look at verse three. Watch what it says. And by the way, tongues is not evil. Tongues is not something that you should be afraid of. We study it. We embrace it. And, and speaking of the tongues is, is a way to, to speak divine mysteries. So we, we, we're not against tongues. Amen. I'm like Paul. Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than all y'all. But in the church, I'd rather speak words that people can understand than something that they can't understand. And that's where he begins to compare tongues to prophecy in this 14th chapter. But he says, but one who prophesies does what? Strengthens others, encourages them, 
and confronts them. A comfort, not confronts, but comforts them. He strengthens others, encourages them, and does what? Comforts them. The KJV says, but he that prophesied, speaking unto men to edification and exhortation and for comfort. Okay? All right, so he's comparing it to tongues. And so I want you to realize that prophecy is not always doom and gloom. It's to strengthen you, to encourage you, and to, and to comfort you. All right? So back to our outline. It says, uh, what are the cautions of people who operate in this gift? They need to be aware that listeners may reject the message if it's not spoken in love and for their edification. Watch this. Listeners may reject the message if it's not spoken in love and for their edification. Have y'all ever met those Christians who every time they talk, it, it seems like they're mad? <laughs> it's always something, you know, they're looking deep and they, they're angry. I mean, speak the truth in love. Love is addictive. When you can sense that someone truly loves you, man, that's attractive. So as believers, we can't always go around mad trying to, uh, you know, to convince somebody to change based on our being a Shoot them with a thousand scriptures and tell them how bad they are. Speak the truth in love. Don't overlook sin. Don't 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 be passive about sin. But when you deal with a person's sin, especially a born again believer, do it in love. Y'all with me? All right. So so they also need to avoid pride, which can create a demanding or discouraging spirit that hinders the gift. That's what I was just talking about, a demanding or discouraging spirit. And you should remember that discernment and scripture must support and agree with each prophecy. Anytime someone tells you the Lord said this, or the Lord told me, and it does not line up with scripture, they are lying. Prophecy will always line up with scripture. The Lord... I sense the Lord told me to tell you to 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 leave your husband and go marry Mr. Jones. Everybody says a laugh in the pits of hell. Holy Spirit would never do that. But now you'd be amazed at people who say what the Holy Spirit told them. God told me that was the man for me. Why are he whipping you every weekend? You think God would have known that he would be whipping you? I mean, we, a lot of stuff we blame on the Lord. And sometimes the Lord ain't got nothing to do with it. So you got to be careful if the Holy Spirit uses you in this prophetic uh, utterance, that, that you be careful that you, that you be discerning and whatever you say should line up, should, will line up with scripture if you're really being obedient. Now, go with me to 2 Peter chapter number 1. Watch this right here. 2 Peter chapter number 1. And we'll start reading at verse number 19. Guys, this is so critically important. When we, these gifts, just knowing about them, I want, I want to stress this, just knowing about them is not enough. We have to want a relationship with God and not just want his gifts. Some folks just want what you got in your hand. <laughs> they want what's in your hand, they don't want your heart. That sounds like a good blues song, huh? <laughs> Baby, you want what's in my hand, but you don't want my heart. 
Don't you realize that God has enough sense to know when we're really serious and when we're not? He sits high and Ovo says he looks low. He knows exactly what we're doing. He knows exactly what we're thinking, Kiara. He knows exactly um, if we really are serious and legit or not. Or are we just saying stuff? Uh, you know, and, and let me say this, guys. We have a way of fooling ourselves. Don't y'all know that? We have a way of fooling ourselves into you know, b- kind of halfway believing that we're really serious and we're really not. And, and I, I thank God for every last one of y'all in here. And, and I, w- I would pray that each one of us in here would take the mindset that, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to properly evaluate where I am with the Lord. And whether or not I really have a heart for God or I'm, I'm just coming to church just to become the church. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you, if you just come to church just to become the church, you probably could go in and start doing some other stuff. Because see, God, I mean, I, I, come till you get it right. I, ain't, I don't want kick, to kick you out. But if, you, if, you don't really, if you're really not serious about this, don't expect transformation to come if you don't have a desire to really get to know God. Some, sometimes in our life, even as a believer, we can, we can be hanging on to stuff that we kind of like and we know it ain't right. Since you've been saved, have you ever hung on to stuff that wasn't right? But you liked it? Anybody in the house will be bold enough to say, Pastor, yo, I've kind of been there before. Hmm? Some of us hang on to music that we probably need to turn loose because the music, you know, it's, it's not only is it not God on it's it's devil inspiring. <laughs> now again, I I love good clean music. But I told you I'm, I, I I I think I called you that day. I was um I ran across this song. What's the name of it? I can't. She said, don't, don't say it. <laughs> now, listen, I told y'all, let, let, let me tell you something. Don't a whole lot surprise me. And I'm telling, I tell couples when I counsel with them, you ain't going to tell me nothing. You know, after 30 years of ministry, and I, I, I couldn't have said this in year 10, but in year 30, I can say this. Ain't too much you're going to say that's going to surprise me. And because of that, uh, you know, I, I've learned how to look at people through the prism of God's word. I, I, I want to have a God worldview on people and interaction with people. And as I deal with people, so you, you're not going to surprise me. But, but when I, when I, when I was honestly shocked and surprised when I heard this song and began to read the lyrics of this song. I mean, it was off the chain. And, and uh, I forgot that lady's name that sung that song, but it was it was it was pretty vulgar. It it was it was vulgar enough that I was I, I felt myself blushing when I read the words of the song. And and it just it was I'm, I'm like and so if this is what our young people are listening to and dancing to, then and, and that music has a way of getting down in your spirit. I don't care what you say. It has a way of getting down in your spirit. Come on. 
Now, some of you old school cats can remember back in the day when, when Marvin said, let's get it on. Ah, baby. Let's get it on. And then, and then when Marvin had that song, Sexual Healing, I Can't Fight This Feeling. Don't you tell me they don't do something to the inside of you. Look at Yvonne. Yvonne, a Luther Vandross gal. She's a, she's a Luther Vandross kind of gal. Man, when Luther... I mean, I, I, Staff, you know about Luther. I mean, the, 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 the melodious tones of his voice. Come on now. You and Kathy Hatch out date night and you threw Luther on. And Come on now. Things change. I didn't mean to embarrass y'all. I'm, sorry. I'm so sorry. But I, but, but I got to be honest, y'all. Because I, I don't think we ever get helped in the church if we're not honest with the stuff that we deal with. But again, songs, my, my point was, there are, there, there are some good, clean songs. And I love listening to good, clean music. It doesn't necessarily have to be gospel all the time, but I, I, like, I like good old school, you know, 70s and, you know, some, some 60s stuff, some temptation stuff. And, you know, I'll I, I, I listen to that. But, you know, I like a good love ballad. Too busy thinking about my baby. Ain't got time for nothing else. See, when I come up, I start looking at the mirror. I start thinking about it. So songs have to, but, but I also recognize this, that certain songs can drive certain moods. And that song, I mean, really, I, I felt, I mean, I felt the, I don't know what it was. It was, it really hit me to the core that this is what some of our young people are grabbing hold to. Wow. And the song has something to do with I can something you better than. So you just kind of read between the lines. I can't go no further than that. I can blank you better than she can. And that, that, and some of y'all are like, yeah, I know that song. Don't, you need to get rid of that song. I mean, it's, that's, that's a, that's a, it, it was devilish. I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I'm, I'm all serious now, y'all. I felt such a, I don't know, it was something inside of my spirit that struck up a chord. It, it bothered me so that I called Maria and, and told her about it. And it's, what I'm saying is that stuff has a way of driving behavior. All right? So, you know, you got to be careful what goes in your ear gates. Y'all in Second Peter, I didn't mean to get off on that. Second Peter, the first chapter. Some of y'all going home, look it up right now, ain't you? Some of y'all already know what I'm talking about. All right. But watch this. Because of, the, because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. Now, this is Peter talking, right? He says, you must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your heart. Verse 20, watch this, read it. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. 
or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they did what? And they spoke from God. The prophetic word that's truly prophetic comes from God and not something that's contrived by man. Holy Spirit driven. The gifts of the Spirit are given by the Holy Spirit. It's a divine enabler. Let's go to page 20 on your outline. Talk about shepherding. So we talked about miracles, right? We talked about prophecy. Look at shepherding. To shepherd a flock. Y'all know the analogy of a shepherd, right? Okay. The gift of shepherding is is the divine enablement to nurture, care for, and guide people toward ongoing spiritual maturity and becoming like Christ. A person in this role, we often uh, compare the shepherd role to that of a pastor, an overseer, a bishop, okay? Uh, What are the distinctions? They take responsibility to nurture the whole person in their walk with God. I like that part. Take responsibility to nurture the whole person in their walk with God. As your pastor, guys, I'm going to talk about the whole counsel of God. We're going to talk about healing, yes. But we're going to talk about how you handle your money, too. We're going to talk about sin, yes. But we also talk about a variety of issues in the body of Christ. We can't be a one-trick pony. Only talking about money. Only talking about healing. And just only talking about salvation. Salvation is what we want to try to get people to come to. And once they get saved, you got to learn how to live. Here's what I've discovered. Part of, my goodness, part of, okay, I'm a, part, of, part of, I think, the, the reason why our churches are suffering and not having the kingdom impact that we could have is that we have a church full of uh, people who are members and maybe who are born again, and, but are still spiritual babies and they're not disciple ones. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And the disciple making process calls for time. It calls for effort. Discipling can be sometimes messy because discipling is predicated upon the person who is being disciple being willing to submit themselves to the discipling process. And also it's predicated on the person who's doing the discipling to be willing to give up their time, their efforts, and their, and their energy to pour into that person who they can walk through stuff with. And what's happened a lot of time is you have people in the church who don't want anybody to be that close to them. Come on, can we be honest? You don't want anybody too close to you, so that, therefore, you, you don't put yourself in a position where you can help disciple and bring someone along, right? Or if, or you won't submit yourself to being disciple because you don't want people to get too close to you. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to do ministry God's way, if you're going to do church, if you're going to be a, 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 a true disciple of Christ, then at some point in time, you have to submit yourself to the process of being nurtured and developed. I mean, just building a relationship to where you are helping sharpen somebody and somebody's helping sharpen you. Okay, iron sharpens what? All right. So does a man, the counsels of his friend. So, but, but if, I'm, if I'm not willing to engage people, if I'm not willing to uh, to um, to have some time with a person outside of the church, then I really won't be a candidate for being disciple or being a discipler. Y'all follow me? So that, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. 
That means that some of your little idiosyncrasies, some of your little ways, some of the things that you, you, you're comfortable with doing things the way you're doing it, you got to get uncomfortable. Being discipled means that there are going to be some times you're going to be uncomfortable. And I'm not looking at anybody in particular, but I'm, I'm looking at all of us in here. There are a lot of times, all of us, there, there's sometimes we don't want to be uncomfortable. We want to be comfortable in doing things the way we've always done it. And we say we want to change. And I think sometimes we really want to change, but we're not willing to do what it takes to change. You hear me? But God is calling on us to change. He's calling on the church to be different. God knows I don't want EBC just to be a place where you come on Sunday and gather. We have some good singing and we kind of hug each other and say, hey, good, bless you. How you doing? Good to see you. Uh, I love you, man. I just, look, look. We're going to go lunch. You know you're lying when you say it. We're going to get together. And when it's time to really commit to getting together, you have other things going. So what God is saying is, for us to really build faith and connect families, for us to really get to a point where we're discipling, each one of us in here has to commit ourselves to God's word and time in prayer. And also we have to commit ourselves to being joined together with other believers besides just your family. Okay? Y'all with me? But a shepherd, as your shepherd, guys, um, that's part of my responsibility. Um, take responsibility to nurture the whole person in their walk with God. I'm concerned about every aspect of your life, not just what you can give to the church, not just you know how much money you make, um, not just um, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied because you sing in the choir. Come on, I, I, I want as your as your under shepherd, I, I want to know how you're living. I want to know what's your struggles. I want to know, how can we help you overcome that? How can, how can, we, how can we be a help to you? And we're not, we're not here to condemn you. We're here to help you. And, and until you recognize it, you, you'll, you'll, you, won't, um, you won't feel comfortable uh, being, being transparent with your pastoral leadership. Okay? Uh, you, you just won't because you think that if, if I know that, then I'm going to look at you differently. Baby, I told you before, uh, besides that song, ain't nothing surprised me. <laughs> and, I, and I say that somewhat facetiously, but it did kind of shock me. But, but the people business is what ministry is all about. So how are you going to be in ministry and don't like people? I just want to know. God is in the people. If you love God, you, go, you, you ought to be into what God is into. Come on, you know how that goes. If you love a man or love a woman, you, you tend to, to, to get into what they're into because you love them. So if you love God and God says, I left you here to minister to people, then part of our responsibility is to, is, is, to, is to die to self. That's what Paul said. Paul said I, in Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I had to die to self. Now, I want to ask you a question right now. What do you got to die to? What's in your life right now you need to die to? 
What's in your life right now that's preventing you from connecting with God and connecting with people? What in your life, what insecurity, what 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 family of origin issue that you have not failed, you failed to deal with that's causing you not to be willing to connect more closely with God and to collect, connect more closely with people. Because we say we want to build faith and connect families. If we say we want to be disciple believers who we want to be disciple believers who consistently walk in the ways of God and have kingdom impact in our homeschool jobs and the community at large, and we want to reflect our faith and lead others into a personal relationship with the Lord, you cannot do that doing life the way you've always done it. I can't listen as a pastor, you know what? I, I feel inadequate. I'm gonna tell you something. Sometimes I feel inadequate as a pastor. Sometimes I feel like, you know, there's so much more that could have been done and should have been done over these past 30 years that we have not done. And, and there are times when I look at myself and say, you know, God, I'm sorry. I hadn't been the best pastor that I should be. I hadn't challenged people enough. I hadn't I haven't made connections enough. And so, Lord, I, I don't I don't want to spend the rest of my life regretting what I didn't do. So, Lord, help help change me. Work out of me stuff that needs to be worked out of me. That's what I'm asking to do with me. Okay, I pray that you do the same thing. Because uh, we, we can get sidetracked by some of the most menial things. And, and, and all it is is stuff that, that really is sometimes it's sitting by the enemy. Sometimes it's just our flesh that's designed to trip us up. But God wants us to be used by him. Okay, I got to finish here. And I, I thought I was going to finish tonight. But we'll... We'll, we'll do the last three. I got three of them done, okay? We'll do the last three next week. Will y'all let me do that? Will y'all come back next week? It's good to see all y'all here tonight. Y'all know that? All right, so bring your paper next week. Watch this. Um, so provide guidance and oversight to a group of God's people. That's what a shepherd, shep- the gift of shepherding, which again, pastoring is, comes in that role. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to be just the pastor. You may be a small group leader, okay? And you got a group that, that you all meet together and you kind of help guide and, 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 and shepherd them. That, that's a good thing, okay? Model with their life what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Establish trust, loyalty, and confidence through long-term relationship. Look at that. Establish trust, loyalty, and confidence. Trust, loyalty, and confidence. And that's one of the reasons why a lot, I think a lot of times people don't connect is because they don't trust very easily. Right? Because you've been hurt before. I'm going to tell you something right now. If you ever really love the way God wants you to love, you've been hurt before. You've been disappointed before because guess what? You're dealing with people. And guess what? People are not perfect. Guess what? People do disappointing things. People say disappointing things and people will hurt you. But I would much rather love the way God says love than to, than to, 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 to just hull up in a cocoon and, and, and refuse to connect with anybody. That's not, that's not God's way. And here's what God will do. God will teach you how to persevere through when you're loving people and they disappoint you and they hurt you. He'll teach you how to persevere through and be strong and still desire to love them even more. Because uh, you'll you'll be like Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. He says, Father, forgive them. For they they don't know what they're doing. And that's what you need to become with some people. You know, Father, forgive them. I forgive them because they really don't know what they're doing. They've really misunderstood my intentions. 
They thought that I was trying to condemn them when I was trying to challenge them to do better. And so they got their feelings hurt and now they don't want to talk to me. But God, you know what? I'm going to keep going after them. I'm going to make them tell me no. Because I love you and I, and I, I want a relationship. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. When you have that mentality, God will, God will heal your heart. And he also gives you the strength to be able to deal with disappointment. Do you I realize, and I do this from time to time, I go back and I look at old uh, a list of the people who've been, who came to the church and people come and people go. Over 30 years of ministry, there have been all kinds of people who've come and they've, they've went. And there are some who went and went the wrong way. When I say they went the wrong way, they, they went because they were, they were offended or uh, they went and they started talking about ministry. And, and, and that, that kind of stuff happened, that go over the territory. And oftentimes, guys, it's the folks who you did the most for. That's why some of y'all hurt so. It's the person you did the most for. That child you did the most for, they didn't want to jump up and one day want to cuss you out. And you say they behind 15,000 times. What you got to do, you got to keep loving them. Right. And learn how to grow in your faith and let God solidify you so that you can be be ready to help shepherd somebody through a, through a process. OK, y'all with me? So provide guidance and oversight for a group of people model with their life what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ and establish trust, loyalty and confidence through long term relationship. Lead and protect those within their span of care. Guys, as your pastor, I try to protect y'all from from foolishness. All right. Uh, you know. There's a lot of foolishness that goes on in the body of Christ. And um, sometimes we don't appreciate being protected from foolishness. Um, but um, if you get out there and you start seeing some stuff that don't really make sense, uh, I think you'll begin to appreciate having a, a solid environment that's, that's, that's not about pumping up anybody or any person. It's about lifting up Jesus. Okay? And so I'm going to do my best to protect y'all from foolishness. Uh, now, not that I'm not one who will try to tell you where to go and where not to go. I'm just telling you, I'm going to preach truth so that when you see error, you'll be able to identify it. Okay? That's what I'm going to do for you. So when you, when you see, well, that ain't, that ain't in the Bible. Pastor taught us this. And this is what the Word of God said. This is what Paul says in Corinthians. And so what you just said don't line up with that. So even though I heard you, I can't receive that. That's how I want to protect you, okay? What are the traits? They're influencing, they're nurturing, they're guiding, they're discipling, protective, supportive, and relational. Watch this. They should remember that God judges those who neglect or abuse their oversight responsibility. And I'm very keenly aware of that. I don't want to ever uh, 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 abuse or, ne- uh, or neglect my oversight responsibility. The Bible told, my Bible tells me that I have a responsibility to watch over you because I got to give an answer for you. I got to give an answer for how I shepherded this flock. So, but I, I, so I, I don't want to neglect, but I certainly don't want to abuse anybody. There, there are churches where spiritual abuse takes place. But I mean, people are, it's, it's like they're in a cultic-like atmosphere. Um, and, and baby, I'm going to tell you something. Um, I didn't put a gun in your head when you came here, and I'm going to put a gun in your head when you leave here to keep you from leaving. You, 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 I want you to grow and be spiritually mature enough to know when you're being taken care of properly from a spiritual standpoint. And I will not, I will not abuse that. Okay. I'm not going to do that because, uh, I know I got to answer to God for how I treat you. Okay. Need to be aware that the desire to feed and support others can make it difficult to say no. And sometimes I have trouble saying no. 
I'll be honest with you. Man, I want to help everybody. But sometimes helping can be hurting. Y'all realize that, right? So you got a shepherd heart, man. You give people t- chance after chance after chance, okay? And you'll realize that some of these, those being nurtured will grow beyond the shepherd's own ability and need to be f- fed, need to be free to do so. There are going to be some people who, who God is going to grow up in this ministry and going to send them out to do some other ministry. I mean, we had people that, that, that went on the pastor of the churches. Uh, there may be somebody who, who God, their time may be up here um, and, and God leads them on elsewhere. Let it be that you left the church because God, God moved you and not because you were mad about something. Anytime you move because you're mad about something, you're out of the will of God. Because first of all, you left mad and didn't even address the issue the way the Bible said address it. You're out of, you're out of the will of God. Okay. So, uh, but, but there'll be times when God will release you to, to, to minister in other areas. And I, you know, my desire is, is for us to be uh, effective witnesses Outside the four walls of this church, I, I told, and I'm gonna close on this. Uh, Brashawn Jacobs uh, uh, started a men's uh, group over in Cotton Valley, uh, and they're meeting over there. Uh, I think twice a month. Brother Saint goes over there sometimes, and uh, and he's exposing them to uh, men's ministry material that we we teach here, and and it's having impact. And I told him, I said, man, I said, and I showed Sherry the same thing, both of them from Cotton Valley. I said, if y'all can, she, she led a class over there too. I said, when y'all can go out and do that in your hometown, you're going to be able to influence and get people to come that probably wouldn't come to hear me. I said, and so if you, if you do that and, and people are growing and they're, and they're getting saved and they're growing in their faith and they're helping their church grow, man, that's what this ministry is all about. We're not here just to hoard everything for ourselves. God teaches us so we can go help teach somebody else and help somebody else. And so I want, I want all of us to grow to a point. I want all of y'all to have a, 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 a personal accountability group with you when you, when you maybe get together with some folks and praying and meditate on scripture and studying the Bible yourself and encouraging one another. Don't just get together and gossip, but get together and pray and, and encourage each other. Amen. Some people get together and want to just talk. They ain't, 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 no, ain't no spirituality nowhere in there. That's a time for you to just get and talk, but as a Christian, you ought to be getting together and be able to encourage each other in, their walk with, in your walk with the Lord, okay? So that's what the shepherding gift does. And uh, I, I don't have time to go to those passages, but Ephesians talks about he gave those pastors and teachers to help build and equip the church, okay? So you need the shepherding gift in the body of Christ.